hey, Queen. How's it going? Welcome back to the Note to Self podcast. Today, I am joined by the fabulous Alice Newman, or you may know her better on Instagram as Alice Lily. And she's an online coach just like me, except she does coaching from a very sassy location compared to me. She lives in Dubai with her boyfriend and her cat. And we're talking all about today food relationships and emotional eating, where they've come from, why we have kind of adopted these beliefs over time and over the course of our lives, and how we can start unpicking them just to reach our true potential that little bit more. So it is a super insightful episode and I hope you love it. I'm sure you will love it. And if you did love it, feel free to rate and review this podcast because it super helps me to reach more queens. And that is my mission to help queens all over the world feel phenomenal in their own skin. So that really, really helps me out. You could also share it to your Instagram store if you want to be a total queen and tag me in it. My Instagram is Thrive with Jojo. And I'm going to let you dive into this episode. So I will let Alice introduce herself, but I hope you enjoy. Right, my love. Thank you so much for being here. So, everybody listening, this is Alice. Do you prefer being called Alice Lily, Alice Newman? What's your gig? Just, just Alice is fine, really. Alice. I actually, my middle name's actually Lillian, right? It's not even Lily. Alice Lily's not even my full name. You're a fraud. Well, when I first started my Instagram, I worked in education and I couldn't have my name. Like, Alice Newman, like, if the learners found me, like, I was like, no. So, like, compromise. And then it stuck. And then that's my business name. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what, though? It's so funny because my, like, everyone calls me Joe, But, like, my name on Instagram has always been Jojo. Yeah. And like the very first time, so I used to obviously be called like when you're a kid and everyone gives you a nickname, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mine was always Jojo. But as I started to grow up, there was, I remember there was a girl, one girl specifically at school, but quite a few people. Um, one girl specifically at school used to bully me because I was called Jojo. And she was like, you're, you've got a dog's name, like proper, like it was really horrific. And so I stopped being called Jojo. I like, I literally refused to let, even my mum, I was like, mum, do not call me. I got really upset by it. And so when I was a little bit older, maybe like 15, 16, yeah, maybe 16, 17, that sort of age, I literally just turned around. I was like, do you know what? Why am I letting someone like completely irrelevant make me feel bad for a name that like I've had my whole life that isn't even anything to be like sassy about. So I literally just started calling myself Jojo as a bit of like a, fight back do you know what I mean there's a bit of and now it's again it's just stuck and now I'm like it's kind of weird when people call me Jojo because I'm like oh like I still get this like I don't like it but then I'm also like nah do you know what brilliant brilliant if I could make a name for myself being called Jojo then you know fudge that girl at school that told me I I was a dog Jojo's a cool name wasn't like a dog oh me so like people are so mean anyway my love thank (laughs) you so much for coming onto the podcast Introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who you are. So my name is Alice. My business name is Coach by Alice Lily. I'm an online coach like Joe, and I live in Dubai. Coach clients just the same as Joe. Um, and yeah, that is me. There is so much more to me than that. I hate that question. That you're like, I know. Oh, I did so much more than that. I love reading. I love my cat. I love CrossFit. I like skateboarding and I love that stuff. I guess I don't know. That's me. No, I love it. I think, first of all, what's your cat's name? Khalifa. Ah, Khalifa. Yes. Fitting. Very fitting. Yeah. I love it. And you've been in Dubai now for how many years? Uh, Like almost a year and a half. And you love it? You love the hot weather? 
Um, it, yeah, right, but it's the summer is way too hot. It is unbearably hot in the summer. It's like yeah. 48 degrees. Right now it's like 38 degrees. It's getting cooler, but it is still hot. When's like, so obviously I'm gonna come visit you. When's <laughs> the best time for me to arrive? Uh, November is when like it's still hot but like not like but but then if you came in December you'd be like it's still piping hot but like for us yeah. like it's like that's cold now yeah, like, that's yeah really- for us like in in the UK like 10 degrees is probably like well this is getting a bit temperature like like we get excited and get our tops off at like 12 degrees so I feel yeah. like Dubai we couldn't hack it but yeah. I guess when you get used to it as well it gets a lot easier but I don't know I'm not a, I'm not a hot weather kind of gal most of the time so I like my big baggy jumpers but I feel like you've probably got loads of air con so you know yeah it is very swings and roundabouts yeah exactly yeah so how many years have you been coaching for um so I started personal training maybe like five years ago and then like I think like a lot of people I went full-time online I was doing online for like three years maybe and went full-time online when COVID hit and it was like and I actually moved to be out here with my boyfriend just before like came to visit him then got stuck out here stayed here for a few months whilst it was the lockdown then I came back and moved but yeah so oh my god so actually it was quite a blessing really like getting stuck in Dubai it's kind of opened up a really cool door for you yeah yeah I love that what got you into coaching initially like when you first became a PT what was that push that that got you into that industry um I really when I first started the gym I was really unconfident like with using the equipment and like only going to treadmills and things like that and I wanted to help people be like I wanted to help other women bit feel empowered that they could go into the gym and not just go on the treadmills and that they could like be take up space in the gym and do lift weights and things like that because I was once that girl I was like oh I just walk upstairs in the ad mats and things like that like yes I think it's so funny I think we have like a big comfort blanket in the cardio section as females or the matted areas as females and we feel like it's our safe space but Honestly, once you break out of that, it feels so rewarding, doesn't it? That's when the magic happens, you know, like no one ever made incredible changes on the treadmill. No, like I think when you, when you really start to open the door in the gym and use the sections that you were maybe a little bit scared of before and, and stayed away from, because no, but I, you know, we're females, we have to stay in the cardio or we have to stay on those, you know, the, the mats in front of the mirror. I feel like when you break away from that a little bit, that's when the real magic happens. Do you know what I mean? And you can start really making change. Yeah, and then you start feeling more confident within yourself to be able to do things like, oh my God, I'm in the men's area of the weight. I don't know why clients always have the men's area or like- Yeah, I hate that. Had the guts to go on the deadlift platform and like do some deadlifts. Like that's that's awesome. Like, and then you enjoy it more. Like you're going to enjoy it. Well, I mean, everyone, the cardio has its place or- if you enjoy walking the treadmill, that's fine. But like, it is more enjoyable when you go yeah. lift the weights in the gym, right? That's it. And I feel like, like you do you, boo. Do you know what I mean? Use the equipment that you want to use. But if you're using a certain piece of equipment because you're scared to even try other things, like that's yeah. when we want to break you out of that comfort zone a little bit. 
And I think, I think that it's really important to do as well, because like you said, you know, it's a big confidence boost when you, when you do walk into that, I don't know, I hate using the word men's section, but people use it all the time and everyone knows what we're talking about when I say that, but like the, the strong girl section where you just walk in and like, it's very male dominated. If you can walk in and just pick up a bar and go, yeah, and what? Like you feel (laughs) sassy as hell, mate. You feel like a badass. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. Tell me a little bit about your journey. Tell me a little bit about why you got into fitness, why you got into, into even going to the gym in the first place. Like start me from the beginning. When did you first get into this stuff? So I'd say it was like, I had a bad breakup, maybe like seven or eight years ago. And then that I was just like, wanted to start getting into the gym, losing weight or whatever. And then I ended up getting a bit too small, maybe, um, and then or wanted to get follow some unhealthy habits, got too small, then I wanted to get strong. Then I got into the gym, started like lifting weights, thought it was amazing. And then it was around the time when like it was really fashionable to do bikini competitions. I know that people still obviously do that, but it was like quite a craze, like around 2015, maybe. And then so I did that, got into competing. And then that was my journey, I guess, for like two years doing that. It served a purpose in my life at the time, but it made me really body image obsessed. I had a really unhealthy relationship with food. I like really bad confidence problems. Like it just gave me so many issues, I guess, from that. But learning to work through all of those issues helped me to become the coach I am today. And now that what I do with helping clients is largely based around what I work through, you know, improving my relationship with food and like understanding why I felt a certain way about my body or like moving out of disordered eating behaviors, improving body image, moving from exercise being about just the way I looked and like about so much more than that and then working through that helped me to like realize that that's kind of the way I want to help clients and so it served a purpose in my life for me to go through and do all that definitely don't regret anything but definitely don't encourage or advice yeah I mean it's such a touchy subject as well because people have such strong opinions on it but like Every, almost every person I've spoke to that is in the position we're in now where we're, you know, using maybe the mistakes that we've, we've learned from in the past to then better our lives and other people's lives. So many of the people in the fitness space, I'm quite like, I've thought about bikini or just like some, some form of competing in the past. But like, Han, I love food too much. Do you know what I mean? I'm never going to be like, if someone offers me a donut and I'm on prep, I'll be like, yeah, I'll take it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, I just, it's not my gig at all. And I I would just like never, I'd never want to get to that position. And more so because I just think so many people in that space have come out of it and realized that actually it does, you know, bring about so many more um, problems than it seems worth and I think you know there's ways to avoid that but it's very difficult to avoid um and I think yeah for me I'm quite fortunate that I never got into that because especially as someone who has struggled with relationships with food in the past with my you know poor body image with you know just constantly worrying about my weight or my size or my shape or if I'd gained weight or lost weight whatever you know just being so body focused full stop 
it's definitely something to just like red flag straight away, like avoid, avoid oh, yeah, all costs. 100%, yeah. But I love that you've now used that experience to then help other people kind of find that food freedom and improve their relationship with food. And that's something that you work so well with your clients on. What yeah. do you think is kind of the, because I mean, I'm sure that most of the clients you work with probably haven't come from a bodybuilding background or a bikini athlete back background. So where do your clients generally come from? Maybe without getting sued and, and using specific names, but where do you think that your clients mainly get pick up these habits from? For a lot of people, I think it is just like the society of diet culture that gets sucked into from a young age or their parents, they grow up seeing their parents eat a certain way or like their mum always dieting. So that's what they grow up to then think that, you know, when, when they become a teenager, like I have so many clients come to me like, I've been on a diet since I was 13 or something like yeah. that. Do you know what I mean? Just because from a young age, their mum's been like, you need to become a diet or that they've seen their mum mum's always on a diet so I'm always on a diet like that's a lot of my clients pick up from there and then yeah like just I guess people a lot of my clients that come to me say things like I've constantly been trying to like seek happiness through trying to lose weight and I think for a lot of people they've not realized that that is where they're going wrong like thinking that like constantly trying to chase to lose weight thinking that they'll be happy when they do that when actually I mean obviously I'm not a therapist but largely what we do is to work with people on their mindset and helping people realize and work through what it is that's holding them back from actually allowing themselves to feel and be happy other issues that might be around the body image and the way they think about food but taking a focus away from like I'll be happy when I lose weight and yeah I'll be happy now changing your life to be happy now is going to better support fat loss so I guess a lot of clients come through that kind of problem yeah yeah and I think it's like I mean I've picked up on so many things there but like the the family side of things as well like we pick up on so much of what we do in terms of food, in terms of the way that we reward ourselves with food, you know, when you're younger and you're, you, I don't know, fall over and you scrape your knee, your mum's like, oh, you know, let's have a lollipop to make things better. Or like, let's go out for like, let's have a McDonald's to make you feel better. Or, you know, or if you get like, say you ace a test at school, you like, you come home and you get like, I don't know, straight A's on your like report card or whatever. And you come home and your mum's like, yay, like amazing. Let's go out for food to celebrate. You know, we, we have so much like emotional emotional um response with food and when you're younger that then gets ingrained that actually okay well now I, I you know as you grow up you go oh okay well if I've if I'm feeling sad great foods there if I'm feeling happy great foods there and we seek food as such a comfort um and we seek food you know we we use food for love nowadays as well and I think that all comes from from when we're younger and what we see of other people um and what we see of our family and our friends as we grow up I think that's a really really hard thing to work through because that's been ingrained from such a young age right yeah do you think that as well like other clients say that oh my my mum always used to call herself fat so you know that's what my mum used to say about herself and then now I've learned to speak to myself the way that I do because my mum did like which is is really sad isn't it like yeah and it's like sometimes it's so 
so deep within you that you don't even realize that that's a, you know, that's something that you need to work on, or you don't even sometimes realize you're doing it. And I think because it's been so normalized, especially with like, I feel like back when maybe our parents, when we were like younger and our parents were our parents, but they were in that kind of like 20s, 30s. Yeah. And they were in the kind of younger years of their life. It was so like, think about social, like not even social media, lol didn't exist, but like the, the their version of social media, you know, TV yeah. programs or magazines or newspaper articles and people like that kind of constantly like slagging women off for gaining yeah. a few pounds or like, I don't know, Stephanie at work was like on another five, two diet or like there was so much out there. Wasn't yeah. that like it, it, that was just so problematic. And so yeah. I think that naturally like, and, and especially as well, that was when like, Oh, how do I say it? Like slimming clubs and, and weight groups. <laughs> don't sue me um you know <laughs> companies like that were rife you know they right, were everywhere right. yeah. yeah and and so we've grown up in a culture where it's it's okay to like turn down carbs or it's okay to say oh no you know we shouldn't be having I don't know like this has got this many points in it like I've got so many clients that have come to me and said oh like but hasn't that got loads of points in it and I'm like what, the, what, what was points mate <laughs> Who decided that was the gig? Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Do you have a lot of people from that sort of background as well? Yeah, 100%. And I think it's, you know, where now things are different compared to back then. Like those things are obviously still about, right? But everything's evolved differently now where you have people like what we do online coaching, the internet, like it, it, things are so different now, aren't they, right? So that's not the go-to option for everybody now, which is good. Like, yes. whereas back then, like, that was, like, what were you going to do if you needed to lose weight? You want to go straight down to your local club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying not to get sued, is that funny? <laughs> but it's true, you know, and I think it's one of, that was their only option back then. They couldn't just Google how to lose weight quick or, like, weight yeah. loss pills or potions or whatever. And now... Yeah we've got a different kind of quick fix where we, you know, we can just Google anything. And that's a blessing and a curse because you can yeah. Google how to lose weight quick and find a bunch of complete nonsense. Or yeah. you can Google how to best lose fat for health or for this or for that. You know, you can yeah. really, all of the information that you need is out there. But yeah. that's exactly the problem is that all the information that you also don't need is out there. And you've, yeah. you, it's very difficult to sift through the stuff that is complete nonsense and yeah. the stuff that's actually going to be helpful for you. So how do you coach your clients to understand the, the important parts of, you know, nutrition for health and for fat loss? Because I know you work with a lot of fat loss clients, right? Yeah. but you have such a health focus with it. And I think sometimes this industry, we, we're either one or the other nowadays and we sit in two camps and it's very difficult to uh, find someone that's like, yeah, you're absolutely entitled to lose fat, but let's do it in the healthiest way possible. You either yeah. have the people that are like, oh, you know, we'll just lose fat. This is what it takes. You know, you need to work harder. You need to grind harder. you like <laughs> all this diet talk. And then you've got the other side of things of like, you know, weight loss is bad you shouldn't be trying to lose weight you should be happy with how you are and I think that so many of my clients sit in the middle where they're sick of doing it the hard way they're sick of 
you know, feeling rubbish whilst dieting, but they also yeah. are unhappy where they are and, and that it's okay if you want to lose fat and yeah, focus on trying yeah. to be happy. How do you kind of balance the two without it being, you know, more diet focus or more like no fat loss is bad focus? How do you marry the two together? I try and make clients, make clients, I try and get clients to Force think. them. <laughs> you will do as I say. To think differently about their approach. So like thinking about your values and what you value in life. So yes, you can lose weight. Like that can be a value that you have. Like fat loss can be a value that you have something that you want to do right now. But what else is there? Like most people, if you ask people what they value, do you value your health? Most people would say, yeah, like I value my health okay, well, we can make your approach focus around health. Because when you think about asking yourself, are my actions in alignment with my values of health? It would be, oh, am I going to have a Kit Kat for dinner tonight? Or am I going to make myself a quick dinner rather than just having a Kit Kat? You can have a Kit Kat if you want, but like, it's not dinner. Do you know what I mean? That's not a, a value aligned action with health. So trying to think about things differently like that um and, and health is a really good one to use because i'm not being funny but who doesn't value their health like you know all you have to do is get a cold and you're like oh my god like i just want to be healthy again like so but it's so funny that as well because so yeah. many of us don't really value our health until it's too late or until it's at a point where yeah. then we go oh my god like i don't have it anymore and that's when we yeah. tend to then shift the focus and go actually no i want to be healthful and i think yeah. a lot of people when they're dieting because they focus too much on like, uh, especially as well, going back to kind of food relationships, which I guess is the the topic that I want to really unpick with you today. But like things like if you're going on a diet, you automatically go, right, I'm only allowed good foods and not bad foods. I'm only allowed clean foods and not, you know, you automatically change your language around food. You think that you're a horrible person. You experience so much shame if you do have that Kit Kat when like, Han, you do you, boo. Do you know what I mean? You can have dinner and a Kit Kat. Like, who exactly, says that that's yeah. not the rules? Like, who says that's not a yeah. perfect week? But yeah. I think we automatically put ourselves into into this kind of box of like, right, you know, uh, we've we've got to be either on it or off it. You know, we've got to have yeah. good foods, or or if we have one bad food, then we failed. And and I think that's where we become miserable. But that's also where we don't prioritize our health because yeah. we're too busy looking at like oh, right, okay, well, what can I do to be the smallest version of myself possible? What can I do to lose as much fat in in the shortest amount of time? I'm going to cut out all fun foods in my life, which is part of health, by the way. You know, being able to have that chocolate bar, that is health if if it means that not having that chocolate bar is detrimental to your mental headspace, is detrimental to, you know, the the rest of your week, because then you end up just over consuming on, on all of the foods that you've been cutting out for yourself, you know all of this stuff really kind of ties into each other doesn't it and yeah. it, it's it's figuring out how to unpick that and find the balance so that you can have all of those foods that you love but you can also see the results that you want with it I mean yeah. what is kind of what is food freedom to you what is what is the I guess your definition of having a healthy quotation bunny ears relationship with food so I would say healthy relationship with food would be to not labeling, not have, not giving food a moral value, not applying any food rules and thinking that you need to follow by any food rules, having a healthy relationship between 
handling or what's the other word? Regulating your emotions that isn't mm-hmm. reliant through food. Not that food regulates your emotion because it doesn't. It's a form like if your emotion eating is more of like a form of comfort or numbing yourself from an emotion. So having a like a healthy relationship between <laughs> being able to regulate your emotions without food. Um, and you can have a healthy relationship whilst being with food, whilst being on a diet as well, but just knowing that food is not, I don't know, food is not, I don't know, I'm going really where I'm going with that. Kind of just what I said, you know, not giving food a moral value, not having food rules, being able to eat what you want and giving yourself unconditional permission to eat whatever you want. That doesn't mean I'm going to eat everything, everything, anything. We can eat everything and everything, but everything and anything, but you wouldn't want to at once, but applying that. Yes. I think as well. So like for a lot of girls out there, like you said, you know, we kind of, we do tend to demonize food and we tend to kind of see that moral value show up massively when it comes to food. You know, all I have to say is chocolate, pizza and crisps and you would immediately go bad food. I could say kale, spinach and broccoli and you'd immediately go good food. But like the the marrying of those two together helps to take away that moral value, I think. And, and having that like, just not demonizing food so much anymore gives you that unconditional permission to eat. Like we've said, oh no, that's worrying. My WhatsApp's just gone off. Which means that I might not. I am on airplane mode though. Let's take off the uh, Wi-Fi as well. Hopefully, we don't get the boop 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 thing half all the way through this. <laughs> um, but yeah, going back to you know what we were talking about with that that unconditional permission to eat, you can have unconditional permission to eat and know that you don't have to eat it if you don't want to. And I yeah. think just in the the choice rather than the forced. So you know, for example. If you've got a chocolate bar sitting on the desk, if you tell yourself you can't eat it, guess what you're going to do? Yeah. (laughs) Cry until you do eat it later on. And then if you've got a food there and you say, right, I can absolutely eat that if I want it. Do I want it? And it's, it's, it's asking the question, bringing awareness to that situation and then going, right, okay, well, do I want it or don't I want it? Is it going to align with what I really want, which might be health or, you know, the boost bar or you know whatever it is and you can then make that informed decision whereas sometimes I think we because we place so many rules for ourselves, and that's such a big thing with food relationships is creating all of these rules you know I can't have this I shouldn't have that um you know I'm not I'm not supposed to be doing that or I'm doing this x diet and cutting out these food groups or whatever and so much of it kind of just comes down to actually you know opening opening the door to be able to have whatever you want whenever you want without that judgment that's that tends to be attached to it and for a lot of us girls out there like we see well or I'm speaking as my past self right now but like food has felt like the enemy before you know food has felt like the that demon that you know it's a bad thing and and 
I think it's really difficult to change that narrative when you, you when you know, when you've thought that your whole life. So how can we start to change that narrative of, you know, food is the enemy, food is the devil. I shouldn't have, you know, even just things like carbs, like carbs are the devil, no carbs before marbs, you know, all of these narratives have been <laughs> placed in us for such a long time. How do we start to unpick that for ourselves? So I would firstly try and question, like, where did you pick this rule up? Where did you learn this food for? Where did you learn carbs are bad? Like, yeah. where did you pick that up from? Because sometimes it's like, oh, well, so-and-so says, right. Well, who is who so-and-so? Do you know what I mean? Or like from X club, weight loss club, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Things like that. They're not credible sources of they're not nutritionists, the people at these places, you know, where did you learn these food rules from? Where did you learn that this wasn't good, this was bad? And then asking yourself, is that actually factual? Because you might, your belief around the food might be, if that's a belief, that's not a fact. My belief around something, your belief around something, that's not factual. Or is it a fact? Is it a fact? A fact is that this banana is 100 calories, that's a fact. But a fact that that banana is bad food or like, do you, do you, do you know what I mean? Things mm-hmm. like chocolate is bad. That's not, that's not a fact. That's an opinion. That's a belief. And trying to question that, like, what do you want to feel around food instead? Like, what do you want to feel? How can you rewrite the beliefs that you currently have around food into something that you'd like to believe? Because when we have a negative relationship with food, usually we don't want to feel like that. So how would you like to feel instead and thinking about, okay, I would like to believe that the foods aren't good and bad or or like I'd like to question my judgment around food. You know, where did I get that judgment from? Question it. Is it the truth? Is it fact? What can you back? How can we back that up? Because usually it's just like a belief that we've always told ourselves. And that's hard as well if it's something that we've had programmed into us for so long, like this food is bad. You shouldn't eat carbs. Like if that's what we've only ever consumed or had like content on social media that we've consumed or for people that maybe like are a few generations older than us, magazines that they read, books that they read that was like, you know, this is how you lose weight. That's what they always believed. Instead, they need we need to be changing our environment, social physical environment to better support our new beliefs you know following people that are more encouraging of a healthy relationship with food and and things like that and and giving incredible sources of information yes that aren't like you know feeding into that influencer with a booty saying yeah, carbs are yeah. bad like I don't eat carbs like hun you do like no one gets a booty like that without eating carbs <laughs> yeah but I think as well like this is where a huge problem comes in because so much of like what we see nowadays is hard to filter out you know there's doctors spouting things like that there's oh, you know yes. you look at news articles and they they've got there's headlines all over the place now with these narratives that like are like clickbait to get you to click on it because they're, yeah. you know, they're starting to understand that actually, yeah, people aren't listening to us anymore. We need to start making it punchier. We need yeah. to start like kind of catfishing the situation a little bit. And I think it's so hard to know who to trust nowadays. And so it's so important to do your own research and to like, even just look at the evidence, like go on to something like PubMed even, like go on to yeah. something like that and start doing some research and start understanding it for yourself. Like even books, there's so many books out there 
that are like, oh my God, like you should do this, you should do that. And it's like, yeah, but wait, so that's that's published in a freaking book. Like people look at Netflix yeah. documentaries and go, well, it's on Netflix, so it must be legit. And yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, but well. is it? Like if you look behind it, like who are they, who were they doing it for? Who was the person behind these studies that were happening? You know, were they say vegan supplement brands promoting a vegan diet? You know, were they um, was this guy who was who's talking about how beneficial I don't know the five two diet is? Does he promote a five two supplement range or does he? You know, do you know what I mean? Like looking yeah. into things like this, yeah. and it's really hard. It's really yeah. hard for people who don't maybe even have that kind of academic background of like references and researching and and studies and looking at that, looking at the science behind things. You know, you it's really easy to believe someone who's saying, you know, trust me, I'm a doctor or trust me. Yeah. I'm like, I've got this blog post on it. And it, this is, this is fact. And it's really difficult to di- kind of like unpick the things that are things to listen to and the things that aren't. And I think so much of it is just, look, is this going to feel good for you? Like you said, you know, asking that question to yourself, because if you want to eat a chocolate bar every single day, same first of all but like great then how do we make that fit into your life how do we make that happen for you so that you can still get results if that's what you want you know you can still feel healthier feel fitter feel stronger but also just like live your life and like if you like you said you know if you value going out and and having a freaking I don't know ice cream with the family we should be able to do that without feeling like a bad person or feeling that shame around it or the guilt yeah. around having those foods. And I think that's, yeah, like you said, you know, that's so important just to kind of question things a little bit more and say, is that true? Or is that yeah. just what I'm being told? Because yeah. so much of it is probably just what you're being told, right? Yeah, it is, yeah, exactly. So what else can we do to kind of like improve our, the way that we see food and the way that we, especially, I want to go back to that emotional regulation because it's so important. And I talk about this with my girls all the time. We talk about emotional eating a lot, and this is a whole kind of probably a whole different topic in itself, but how can we start to unlink? Is that a word? How can we start to just disconnect food and emotion? So firstly, trying to, I guess, maybe recognize what emotions you're trying to numb or comfort with food, because it might be like, you come home from work every day and you're super stressed and you like, get that Domino's on an order, like every day yes. or, or whatever it is, because you're super stressed with work and you need that escapism from feeling stress that you've felt all day so you're using food for comfort so say that's just an example and thinking okay so I know that right now or sometimes you might not even know so trying to bring more awareness to that you could do that through journaling meditating trying to just get to know yourself and your emotions better or what's going on in your life or getting therapy if that's available to you yeah um but say, for example, if you realize like stress is something that's just causing me to overeat and it's good if you are aware of that, then instead trying to backtrack and think, OK, what can I do instead to reduce my stress or say, for example, it might be that you are um, lonely. What can I do to reduce 
like feeling lonely or bored, trying to think what in my life can I do differently so that this, I don't feel this often, or instead it might be an emotion that would be say different. That could be like, um, if you are feeling hurt or something like that, or it just, it's been your program go to, to always turn to food, try and better think in, in the situations, trying to get more of a, a hold of not responding straight away and trying to sit with how you feel first rather than going straight to food which is hard because if it's something that that's like you've been conditioned with doing that I get angry I eat food straight away I don't even think it's just like and that's for a lot of people it is like with emotional reason it's like you don't even realize that you're in the cupboards and eating food yeah. because it's just like phase, phase trying to phase out how you feel no one wants to feel bad like when you feel bad you're like you don't want to feel it right yeah. but when we allow ourselves to feel bad feel how we actually feel honor our emotion for example say going back to like loneliness for example if you if you recognized in that moment right now that you were eating from loneliness boredom what could you do in that moment instead could you ring a friend what could be a different action that could better support how you feel and honor how you feel instead of turning to trying to recognize what emotions it is what could be a better response to how you feel and sometimes no the response might just be allowing yourself to feel bad like it's normal to feel bad it's normal to feel sad it's normal to feel angry or trying to understand better oh I feel sad okay well why do you feel sad because sometimes we feel a certain way and we don't even know why or haven't even understood okay actually I feel sad because this morning like my boyfriend was a bit off with me and I didn't really actually communicate with him that the way he spoke to me made me feel sad and then when I got to work my boss spoke down to me and that might be say for example there that you don't know how to voice to people how they make you how what they're saying to you is making you feel so like that so trying to better understand think back what why are you feeling a certain way are there things you need to change in your life and obviously that is just a complete like there might be so many different things yeah. that are causing like there's so many things and it's not as just easy as like stop and count to 10 and then you know yeah breathe through it no but I think it's important as well because so yeah like so much of the time we don't stop and feel our emotions and like he said you know we just go straight to the the cupboards because that's what we've always done you know that's what we've always um done to numb that emotion or to you know I always say it's like sticking a plaster over it just for a sec like you stick a plaster over it and then that and then that moment goes when you finish eating and then you're left with that emotion again but you're probably left on top of that emotion you're also left with all of the other again incorrect beliefs that you felt around food before of like oh my god I feel guilt and shame now you know I feel guilty for eating this food and I'm a bad person because of it and that's where guilt and shame then comes into it and it's and guess what we do then we comfort eat because we feel guilty we feel shamed yeah yeah and that's it's so important to actually just like instead of covering up instead of just putting the rug over it instead of uh, numbing or avoiding or, you know, distracting yourself from those emotions, 
it's so important to feel them because as well, if you don't ever feel sad, how can you ever feel happy? If you don't ever feel angry, how can you ever feel excited? If you don't ever feel like nervous, how can you feel free? Do you know what I mean? There's all, every emotion that you have has like a a counter to it. And if you're not feeling all of those feelings, then that's not life, mate. Do you know what I mean? You're not living to like, you're not living the life that we're supposed to be living. And I think sometimes you need to feel those emotions that are more, I guess, less positive to be able to grow from them as well. Like you said, you know, if your boyfriend's always saying something that really upsets you, and then instead of addressing that problem, you're then going and and raiding the fridges and just eating whatever you can see to like make you feel better about that, then it's just going to keep happening. And then you're going to keep feeling rubbish. Whereas if you can stop it there and then in its trap, then and there and just say, no, do you know what, actually, the way that you've just spoken to me, I really don't agree with. And I, it, like, I feel upset by it. Um, can we talk this through so that we can resolve this situation so that it's just not a constant theme in our lives? Like, I don't want this to be this way. I'm sure you don't want this to be this way. So let's work through it. And if you can do that, instead of then just avoiding it every time, then you're just going to straight away, like, I don't know, let's even just like, someone was saying the other day on a podcast, I can't remember who it was, But someone was saying that like, you know how like we get emails every day from like spam places and every single day I go into my emails and I like click red on all of the emails, like even if they're junk mail and I just click red on it every day and it just keeps showing up every single day. And it's a job that I do every single day. But if I just unsubscribed from that email once, it takes a few more minutes. It's a bit more painful to do. You know, it's a bit less like it's a bit more annoying to have to do, but I do that once and then I don't ever get that notification again. And it's like, it's the same thing with your emotions if you're not dealing with them and you're instead just covering them up for a sec how can you then grow from it or learn from it or you know acknowledge it so that you can then manage it in a in a more appropriate manner maybe next time or a more helpful way next time um I think it's so true like we uh, and even I do it all the time like if I've been really stressed I'll still go home and I'll be like oh should we just get a takeaway tonight and it's knowing that that's not that's it's not inherently a bad thing to do oh yeah of course yeah but when it's your only coping mechanism that's when we need to address it and go right okay you know what can we do to maybe change things up a little bit so this isn't such a constant theme in your life like how do you coach through that with your girls how do you kind of do you coach just girls or do you coach men as well just women but I do have one male client who's been with me for two years so he's still kicking around oh I (laughs) love that yeah um, I don't coach men other than that yeah how do you kind of how do you sit through and help your girls and guy through that emotion through that kind of like you know when they feel like say they say you get a text like I get this all the time I get texts like oh I've had the rubbish at work you know I'm so stressed I've done this the last thing I want to do is cook like what do I do I'm just and it, it, they said they tend to get into this kind of spiral at the beginning of coaching when when all of this is really new to them how do you help your girls rationalize those emotions or find alternative behaviors that are maybe more helpful how do you go through that process with your girls so something I would normally do is to like try and get a client to give themselves their own answers like mm. so for example if we've realized for someone like it is stress at work that like or some kind of stress that is like that's stressing me out okay well 
try to think about for yourself because when the answers come from yourself obviously if someone doesn't know the answer or needs support then can give some contribution but I like to ask clients what they think they can do differently first to because if you think okay like I know that I could do I could change the way my working day is I could say no to extra hours at work I could put boundaries in place but then that's like oh like that's really empowering because that's the decision that they've realized that they need to make themselves kind of thing so asking I like to ask clients what is it do you think that you could do differently or change differently because sometimes when we just sit and think like or try to stop being so reactive sit think what could I do differently we can try and come up with some different coping strategies to how we feel and if it's like I don't know say for example like border meeting like a client is just border meeting every night they live alone and that's just they just get bored or lonely sometimes okay well what could a coping strategy be there could be what can we can we like start a hobby like I've got clients who do crochet like sit and do crochet in the evenings or like you know like a, a mindful task that isn't just sitting on the tv every night when you get yes. work, you know what I mean well how else else you're feeling lonely if you're feeling bored how else could you get fulfillment out of your life in other areas that because it's only that you are it's almost like that temporary good feeling from eating like whilst numbing out how you feel whilst turning out watching the tv that kind of escapism how could you get escapism in your life through other activities like reading or like sports or like instruments like playing musical instruments or something like that you know like exploring more yeah do you know what that's so funny that you said that as well because like I I say to my girls all the time and I probably have mentioned it on like every podcast episode I've done already but like I encourage my girls to do something that sets the soul on fire to just like do something that really makes them feel because like people we don't know and like I think I literally said this on the last podcast, but I found reading really recently and I found, and literally just the other day I came home from work and I was so super stressed. I've had the craziest week at work. I was so busy and I was like putting so much pressure on myself and a really big kind of project that I just finished had just finished obviously and I got home from work and that day I just developed the world's biggest migraine and it was like uh, me and my boyfriend worked out that it was like a bit of an anxiety migraine don't know if that's science a thing but you know it was like I had this huge headache and I couldn't shake it and so all of a sudden I was just like do you know what I'm just gonna learn how to play my favorite song on the piano I've never played the piano in my life I played like maybe a couple of little hot cross bun songs. Do you know what I mean on it when I was younger? But so I've <laughs> never, nice. yeah, like yeah. never, <laughs> never, ever, ever like played an instrument really. Like I played the flute when I was younger, it doesn't really count. But like, I just sat there and I was just like, do you know what, fuck it. I'm just gonna find something that I like wanna do. And I'm just gonna, oh, thank you, Siri. Um, And I'm just gonna like do it. And I literally just like sat at the piano and asked my boyfriend to just like teach me a couple of like the starting bits for the song so that I could then like just play it by ear really. And I did. And whilst I was doing it, didn't have a headache. Like the headache completely went. And I was just in my own little world. I was like out of my, like, you know, like you said, escapism. I was just in this like little bubble of like doing something that actually made me really happy. And then as soon as I stopped doing it, I was like, oh my God, the world, the world is back. Like everything's back to being headache central. But like for a second, it just made me feel so good that like I had 
something that I could have easily turned to food in that moment as well. You know, we were going to order a takeaway that night and I was just like, I just don't want to even think about anything else. Like just feed me, like give me food. And then I was just like, no, do you know what? I, like this is, I literally had the conversation about emotional regulation and and uh, finding alternative behaviors to, uh, you know, instead of a coping mechanism for, you know, through food. I just had that like webinar with my girls. And so I was like, Joe, practice what you preach, like, hello. Yeah. And so I was literally just like on the piano and I just, it's things like that that make the world of difference. And I know you love to read. You said um, earlier about reading as well, that that's something that you, you do. What, have you got any books that you would recommend? Like what's your kind of go-to book that you'd recommend to your clients? Um, that is a big question because what, <laughs> depends what you want. Like I have a big PDF document that I give to my clients that is like book recommendations because there's a lot of, depends what you want from a book. Yeah. But like, say for example, if it's like, a self-development book like wanting to expand your mindset more um I feel like I'm not really giving you an answer because it's got too much choice but what life-changing books that I've read The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris it's really big about acceptance and commitment therapy yes I literally this is yeah I recommend The Happiness Trap you are a badass and just I'm not gonna swear but just fudging do it um, those are the three books that I literally recommend to every single one of my clients. I love that you recommend that too. It's such a good book, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's incredible. I think actually there's a part of that book. So there's a part where he talks about in, in The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris, he talks yeah. about, um, oh, I can't remember the word he uses to describe it, but like the kind of like, uh, it's like a emotional demon and you're on a boat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Surfing the urge, yeah yes talk me yeah. through that like j- let's let's talk about that because I think that's so it's such a good thing to kind of think about when it comes to your relationship with food and your journey in general and those those negative thoughts that come in and trying to kind of you know I guess uh, turn them down a little bit and I always say that to my yeah. girls and I'll turn those voices down yeah because he calls it radio doom and gloom like when it's playing like out loud yeah yeah he has very good um like that book is so good to understand that you're not your thoughts and to stop believing into your thoughts and instead almost make fun of your your thoughts because if you constantly believe all of your thoughts then you're like you're leaving yourself down like a a negative part because we're always going to have negative thoughts we can't control our thoughts as much as we think we can that's what he says in the book um but instead trying to say for example you have a limiting belief come up or a limiting thought that is telling you something negative about yourself instead like trying to like imitate it in like a funny voice inside your head or like he says about singing it to the singing tune of happy birthday happy birthday yeah yeah like if you had this like thing like what if you're saying to yourself I'm fat and ugly okay so start singing I'm fat and ugly to the theme tune to the happy birthday you can't take that seriously after you've been doing that do you know what I mean like things like that trying to make uh, uh, a laugh of your thoughts I guess yeah Um, it just disarms them as well you know it just gives them so much less power when you can you know make a joke of it or or like it just kind of look at it from a different perspective I think it just holds so much less power and it's really interesting that like we 
we, we just have no idea how to squash those thoughts sometimes. Like we, we let them control so much of our lives. And I think sometimes that's why that book is so important for me, for my clients, because it just helps you to see things from such a different perspective. And especially yeah. if you've, you're not used to, to looking into your emotions, it's got a lot of light bulb moments, that book, right? Yeah, it's so easy <laughs> to read as well. That is a great book. And the other book you said as well, You Are a Badass. That is right. a great book. That was like my first really great book. Yes, me too. That's literally, so I remember <clears throat> the first time, <clears throat> excuse me, the first time I, like that's the first book I ever, ever, ever read. Like ever, like before that, it was like literally just books at school, like primary school as well. Like I'd not read books. And I picked up You Are About Us. And I don't even know why. It might have been like I was listening to someone's podcast and they'd mentioned it or something. But I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to get a couple of books and just try and get into reading. And so I did. And the first book I picked up was that You Are About Us by Jen Sincero. And the first couple of pages I was away when I started reading it on in my favorite place. It was like my happy place. And it's in a place in Wales. And I was out on the balcony and I was just reading this book and I read something and I can't even remember the point of the book it was at. I wish I'd have bookmarked it. I wish I'd have noted it down. Um, but I was just reading it and I had no distractions. My phone was in the other room. Um, I was just like out and it was like kind of spitting rain onto my book. And so I was kind of thinking, oh, should I go in or should I stay out? And I thought, no, I'm just going to power through because I'm really enjoying this moment. And I looked up and there was just this huge rainbow and it was so vivid. And all of a sudden, Alice, I just started crying. And I was like, for me, it was just like this moment where like I'd found something that really set my soul on fire, that really got me to this place where I wasn't thinking about anything else. I was just focused on a, a bunch of words on a page. And like, oh my God, yeah, You Are About Us was just like life-changing for me as well. Like, I feel like it is for so many people as well, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's so mad how books on a page can like really change your life. I bought like all of my clients a copy of that recently and just um, posted to them for like a little surprise because it's just yes. a, so very easy to relate the things that she talks about to like any situation really. So yeah, yeah. I've actually got it in. Oh no, because my clients listen to this podcast. Never mind. I'll tell you later. <laughs> but similar vibe, similar vibe. Um, right. I think this is a good place for us to round things up. I feel like we've been waffling for long enough now and we've got some really just super insightful topics within this. So I'm super happy that you've come here to hang out with me today. Um, and I know I'm going to be on your podcast very, very soon as well. Um, but yeah. one thing that I ask everybody before they leave me, and again, I've thrown you in the deep end here because I haven't told you this question, but... <laughs> This one question, I, I basically, I want to create a space where we can like really reach so many queens and help everybody feel their best selves. Like this is the mission for my podcast is just to like get every single girl on the planet feeling incredible and, and hearing the advice that maybe we're not, we're not very good at taking for ourselves or hearing the advice that like, you know, we're so good at giving to others, but we don't ever take or that we have always heard, but never really listened to. So my question to you to finish off, Alice, is if you could give just one piece of advice, just one, that every single girl on the planet would hear and would benefit from, what would it be? You're not your thoughts. 
Yes. Don't believe your thoughts. Yes. Expands. Tell me more. Your thoughts are not facts. You're not your thoughts. Like I remember that when I, before I get got into like reading self-development books and I thought that I believed every, every thought I believed that like all of the words going around in my head were me and that that's who I was, you know, that whatever it said, whatever the, the little voices on my head said, that's me, that's who I was. So if I thought I was fat or ugly or this, or no one was ever going to love me, or like, you can't be happy, you're not unworthy, then <laughs> believed everything, like it, instead of believing everything your mind tells you, like free darkness trap, <laughs> you're not yes. your thoughts. So detaching when I started like learning to detach away from that I think that was really powerful because it's like we just believe whatever our mind is telling us so that we then think that's that's the truth like and then we then act on that because we think oh no one's ever going to love me so I then I'm going to behave more in a way that confirms that yeah yeah exactly and that's it I think it's it is so important it's one of you know when we look in the mirror and we tell ourselves we're fat or ugly or not worthy, guess what you're going to feel? Fat, ugly, and not worthy. But if you can start just flipping that narrative for yourself and just like, you know, exploring other options, like what I, the way that I do this with my girls and, and tell me if you do a similar thing or if you do something different, but what I do with my girls a lot is when they're having a thought like that is just flip it and say, but what if I'm not like, so, oh, I'm unworthy, but what if I'm not, what if I'm not unworthy, then what? And then once you've asked, then what, if you're not unworthy, then you can go, oh, well then, I don't know, maybe I am worthy. Maybe I am important. Maybe I do have, you know, great qualities. And then we go, right, great. Like, if you have great qualities, what do you think they are? And then you can start unpicking it like that. And I think if you can keep saying like, what if to yourself, and I think this is a podcast episode in itself, actually, and I might do one on it because it is such an important task that I do with so many of my girls and it's like it's a light bulb moment where we just go yeah but like what if you're not what yeah. what happens then like what 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 if you're not worthy uh, unworthy what if yeah. you're not everything that you've told yourself for so long because it's yeah. you know and when you tell yourself something long enough and often enough you start to believe it so yeah, exactly. it, it's hard to get out of that trap I guess if we want to yeah. use a pun there but it's hard to get out of that trap do you kind of do anything with your girls that that is similar or do you have a different approach to help them unpick those thoughts so, something I do that's quite similar to that is that when clients start with me I ask them to write out and brainstorm what is the version of yourself that you want to become like who is your best self the version of yourself that you want to become and they'll say the best you know say so for me the version of Alice that I want to be is she is strong she is confident she doesn't care what people think about her she she does the things that she wants to without a question or you know I mean like the list of words and then underneath ask well how can I start doing that right now what can I start to embody of that right now because for a lot of people it's like my ideal life has nothing to do with changing the way that you look actually it's changing the way you feel and then when you have a little less like a light bulb, like, oh, well, what if I can start to embody that right now? What if I can start to believe that I am worthy and that, you know, then what? Like, I think that's quite a powerful 
something to do with yes. so many clients so like and then I thought well why can't I do that right now and I'm like <laughs> boom oh, my job oh, here is done <laughs> yeah. I love that as well and I think it is like it's we I think it's a very painful thing to a, a very painful exercise to do as well that you know because so many of us don't really know what we want we don't know who we want to be and the first thing that you can do is question well what actually is that for me you know what does that look like and again for so many of us we don't know because yeah. we've spent so long assuming that we can't reach our potential or we can't you know we don't even know what our potential is we don't even know where that ceiling is because we haven't even tried because we're too scared to fail at it or we're too scared to you know we just assume well that's not for me you know I'd never be able to be that person yeah but again what if you could be that what person if? then yeah. how can we get you to that point and I think that's again, something in coaching that is so often overlooked, but something that's, that I think you do very, very well with your girls. Um, and I think we should all do a little bit more of, it's just, you know, questioning, right, well, what's the person you want to be? And, and what can we do today to help you get that rather than, you know, creating this mammoth task for ourselves and going, oh my God, like, I want to be a bikini athlete. So I'm just going to like meal yeah. prep and do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, and what do you what want? Do you do now? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Right, my love. Well, thank you so, so much for that. I think that that you are not your thoughts. I think that is such a fabulous, fabulous piece of advice. So thank you so, so much for this conversation. Where can people find you if they want to have a little stalk? Um, my Instagram, by underscore Alice Lily. Um, and then I also have a podcast too, which you'll be on. Uh, yeah. It's called the Empowerment Podcast. Um, but yeah, those are my two main things. I have TikTok as well, but I mean, Oh my God, love. Yeah. How do you find TikToks? I'm I am scared to venture into the TikTok land because I feel like you just have to trigger warning everything nowadays. I feel like um, people get really like sassy with you. A little, but most people are fine, really. I think I prefer TikTok to Instagram. <gasps> oh my God, no way. Yeah. No way. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I can't. I can't cope. I can't cope that you just said that. You're going to have to teach me there and I might have to get on TikTok, mate. Oh, I don't know. I like get butt hurt over people bullying me for my name. So I can't imagine <sighs> the space of TikTok. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's not too bad. Oh, it's, I love it. I'm going to have to, yeah. I'll have to go over and have a little stalk. I'll have to follow you. I don't even know yeah. if I've got a TikTok user. I probably do. I reckon I do. Anyway, I will leave, of course, all of your social links in the show notes below so that everybody who is listening can go and have a little stalk and find you and just watch you be a TikTok queen. Love that. <laughs> um, and go over and obviously listen to your podcast as well. But thank you so, so much for being here with me today. And to those queens watching, thank you for coming along and listening to this fabulous conversation with me and Alice. And go and have a fabulous week and I'll chat to you soon. <laughs>